This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us. I'm so happy to welcome Grayson Quay to the program. Um, he's a writer that I have been following for some time, but Grayson, I don't think that does justice to all the various hats that you wear. I know you are a Young Voices contributor, uh, as well as a few other things. Clue us in before we have a discussion and tell us just a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure thing, yes. I'm a Young Voices associate contributor. Um, I've got a somewhat unexciting day job uh, in addition to that, and then... You know, on the side, I like doing a little woodworking, making beach glass jewelry. Um, yeah, I, I'm afraid you've made me sound perhaps a little more interesting than I am, but I, I really do enjoy <laughs> writing. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Hang on. I'm going to add modest to your resume there. Okay. No, <laughs> the you, most modest. I have enjoyed a lot of the articles that I have seen you write over, the, I guess, probably the last year, maybe a little bit longer. But you wrote one recently that I thought was particularly timely. And also kind of controversial, and its title is The Brave New World of Sex-Positive Education. Subtitle, We Are Entering a Decadent Dystopia. And that got my immediate attention because I, I, I try to keep an eye on things that are going on culturally. Give me some of the background. What prompted you to write this? And then we can dive into the article itself. Oh. Um, you know, for a while, I wasn't sure if I wanted to write this piece, but after, you know, things kept piling up until I felt like I, I couldn't not. Right. Um, so at the beginning of my piece, I go through all these examples. So um, about two weeks ago, there was a piece in the Daily Wire about how second graders at this public school in Wisconsin uh, have access to this online educational database that includes really sexually explicit material stuff about, um, you know, anal and oral sex and how to use grinder um, and how to use sex toys. Um, second graders. And- yeah, they I mean, they have access to this. Yeah. Um, and th- this isn't I can say this isn't just this one school. Like I've heard from teachers. I know that it, there's, you know, so at least a couple others, um, you know, there was the story uh, coming out of London where a public library hired this uh, this man in a rainbow monkey suit with uh, with, you know, exposed genitals to um, the suit had exposed genitals. They weren't his, but still uh, to, you know, dance around in front of children to convince them to read more. Um which, you know, I might never pick up a book again if that was how they tried to convince me to read. Um, and then there was this whole discourse about um, whether kink belongs at pride parades, right? Whether people should be allowed to dress up in, in rubber suits and ball gags and lead each other around on leashes in front of children at, at you know, these supposedly all ages events. And people were actually arguing that this was good for kids to witness. Um, you know, and then finally there was this... Uh, um, sex ed uh, teacher or educator is the the term now, which means nothing. I just I just love it. It's a meaningless term. Um, <laughs> but she was fired after she um, taught uh, curriculum to first graders that told them it was okay to masturbate as long as they uh, did it in private, and taught actually a class. And this was kind of one of my focal points called uh, porn literacy, uh, pornography literacy to high school juniors and seniors. Um, so just with all these um, examples accumulating, something finally clicked in my head. Um, and it was the the novel Brave New World, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have read. Uh, it's this uh, dystopian novel by Aldous Huxley. Um, and it depicts this society where, um, you know, I think in the um, in the book uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death by uh, by Neil Postman, it's kind of it was kind of his inspiration for that. Where it's this dystopia, but unlike in 1984, where the government, you know, cracks down and takes away everyone's rights, 
it's people give away their own freedom voluntarily because they just want to be happy and comfortable and don't want to face any any responsibilities or hard things in life. And I thought, okay, that makes sense the first time I read it. But there was this there's this really strange thing that shows up right away in the book where they're taking a tour of this facility where, you know, they grow the kids in the test tubes and then they, you know, the whole time they're in their crib, they're giving them subliminal messaging to, uh, you know, live by the values of the society. And then, you know, they show like a little elementary school where there's seventh grade where there's uh, seven year old kids and they're encouraging them to engage in what they call erotic play in the book. Um, and when I read this book for the first time, I was like, okay, this is a bridge too far. You know, even in this dystopian society, this is too absurd to, to even countenance that this would happen. And then I saw these news articles and stories and I said, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, we've, we've really surpassed what I thought was too absurd in a piece of dystopian fiction. No, I, I'm with you. I, I think even 10 years ago, if someone would have suggested, hey, do you know that there are going to be people openly encouraging kids, you know, to learn about uh, all of these things, you know, anal sex, oral sex, dildos, all this sort of stuff. I, we would have said there's no way. But, uh, you know, you look around and as as much as it pains me to say this, even drag queen story hour is becoming kind of a thing uh, to, that's that's widely or more widely accepted than I would have thought it would be. I love that you connect this, though, to uh, to Brave New World. Because, as you point out in your article, Brave New World not only predicted it would happen, but it also explained why. Walk us through that. Yeah, so in Brave New World, there's uh, there's kind of a little a little joke that Huxley sprinkles throughout where um, anytime someone wants to make a, a religious reference or something in this novel, um, rather than saying our Lord, they say our Ford. Um, and that's a reference to Henry Ford. Um, and they'll make uh, the sign of the T rather than the sign of the cross for his uh, his famous invention, the Model T. Um, so, yeah, he's this mythical, almost godlike figure for them because he invents the assembly line. You know, he invents mass production that makes possible this sort of material hyperabundance that that um, classifies this, that, uh, you know, defines this society. And then their other god, who they've kind of conflated in sort of almost like ancient Egyptian or, or Greco-Roman fashion with Ford is Freud. Um, they think it's kind of just two names for the same person. Freud, of course, the inventor of the idea that sexual repression is the root of all evil. So, you know, taken together, right, the religion or the, the code that defines the society is this kind of narcissistic uh, consumerism where everything's just about your own needs and your own desires being gratified, right? You know, if you ever feel sad, you take a pill. Sexual uh, promiscuity is actually uh, encouraged in this society. Um, anyone who you know, expresses a desire to sort of pair off with someone else and, and have some kind of exclusive relationship is viewed as, as actually insane. Um, uh, they constantly are saying everyone belongs to everyone else, right? Like what's, what's wrong with you? Why would you want to cut yourself off from that? You know, the only, the only sin or crime left is to allow yourself to be unsatiated in some way. Um, and I really think that that's where we've ended up in a lot of ways. And I think that's why this, you know, sex positive, education is is um is taking the direction it is right um one of the ways you put it in your article was you talk about how any form of self-denial is considered folly any the only sin is to be unsatiated 
And, and I think about that in the sense of um, anytime people press push back, you know, parents who say, hey, you should not be teaching this kind of stuff in school. They are held up as you're the odd person out as if, you know, you're asking me to stop breathing oxygen as opposed to simply exercise some self-discipline. Yeah, no, the idea, the idea is, is exactly that, right? That um, the concept of, of self-discipline of, you know, the sort of classical ideal of controlling one's passions, um, right, as, as, you know, the, the means to the good life, right, is, is just not on anyone's radar anymore. It's considered absurd, right? The, you know, even um, uh, Elizabeth Brunig, who's a, a columnist for The Atlantic and is a, is a devout Catholic, though she's very far to the left economically, um, you know, I, I believe she takes her faith very seriously. Um, but even she couldn't even conceive of the idea of telling kids not to watch porn, right? She she actually defended this pornography literacy class as a way of creating this uh, this mythical creature that she referred to as the ethical consumer of pornography, um, which, you know, presumably means, you know, not watching um, not watching videos that um, were filmed without consent or something like that. But, you know, in the same article, and this was crazy to me, in the same article, she admits that, you know, the, the pornography industry has this widespread problem that's been very well documented recently, and especially in that huge New York Times expose from a few months ago. It has this enormous problem with abuse and, ex- and uh, exploitation. It, and that's not always relevant in what, that's, or that's not always apparent in what you're seeing on the screen, right? You can't necessarily look at a, uh, you know, a, a pornographic video and tell that um, this person's not uh, consenting to what's happening. Um, so, yeah, but the idea is, is, you know, she doesn't even think that it's a possibility to say, don't watch porn. It's just watch different porn, watch better porn. Right? Wow. Maybe a tiny bit less, but, you know, don't stop. That would be absurd. We're, we're coming up on our break here in just a moment. Again, we're talking with Grayson Quay, and I'm going to leave you hanging with this question, but I'm going to give you a chance to answer this in the next section. Are you just trying to spoil everybody's fun, or is there some wisdom that we can glean, maybe from, I don't know, billions of human minds working over the course of thousands of years, that uh, maybe there's something to this idea of exercising some self-control, particularly when it comes to those appetites. You don't have to answer right now, Grayson, but when we come back on the other side of the break, I really want to know, are you just being a spoil sport or is there some wisdom we can turn to? We'll be back right after these messages. Okay, give me just... This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. 
bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Allyn Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. As a follower of Christ, you are created and called for greatness. Now more than ever before, in his powerful sequel to the bestseller, Kingdom Man, Tony Evans' Kingdom Men Rising calls men to break free of apathetic faith, to take a stand, do more than just exist. You have been called to rise up and influence those around you. Discover how when you get Kingdom Men Rising and learn the art of intentional impact. New from Tony Evans, sponsored by The Urban Alternative. With a Democratic sweep officially in place, we are now at the mercy of tax and spend economics. Get ready for runaway national debt pushing the further devaluation of the dollar. So if you haven't invested in gold, now is the time to protect your savings. Birch Gold Group is the premier precious metals IRA company in America. With an A-plus BBB rating and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold can help you move an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by gold. Go to birchgold.com slash radio for your free information kit. That's birchgold.com slash radio. The best companion a pillow has ever had. You've heard me talking about Mike Lindell's Giza Dreams bed sheets now for a couple of years. They're the perfect companion to the MyPillow, made with the world's best cotton called Giza, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. Its long staple cotton makes it ultra soft and breathable, and just like the MyPillow, there's a 60-day money-back guarantee, 10-year warranty. Try it for yourself. Mike Lindell and I promise you'll sleep better or you get your money back. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, use my promo code USA. You'll get two-for-one pricing plus free shipping, but only by using my promo code USA. Or call 1-800-951-8175 and ask for the Giza Dream Sheets special. And the promo code USA gets you up to 66% off the entire line of MyPillow products. Sleep better with the Giza Dreams bed sheets and save at MyPillow.com. Promo code USA. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I am talking with Grayson Quay, who is a Young Voices contributor and the author of an excellent article, which you will find linked in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. And it has to do with the brave new world of sex-positive education. And, Grayson, you know, I look, I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, and I, I remember, you know, I wasn't shocked by a lot of stuff. You know, in fact, I remember my parents being pretty upset about what, uh, you know, what uh, Ozzy Osbourne was saying, you know, in his music and, and so forth. But I didn't really think of myself as a prude until today when I look around and I see what uh, what is being taught to kids and what's being suggested to be taught to kids. And I think, huh, well, that uh, that sure wouldn't have flown even a few years ago. You have, have sounded a warning here with this article, but I have to ask. Is this about spoiling people's fun or is there is there a larger purpose behind, you know, some of the thoughts that you're putting out there, some of the objections that you're registering? No, you've caught me, Brian. I just hate fun. That's there, all there okay. is to it, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, this is a common thing you see if you, uh, you know, if you espouse any sort of um, 
any sort of kind of socially conservative take at all, um, you know, even if it's just like, hey, maybe we should slow down the the breakneck pace at which this is accelerating. Like you mentioned, this would have been unheard of even five years ago. Um, but yeah, it's it's a common you know it's a common criticism that oh you just want to spoil everyone's fun um, right because there's this idea that this is liberation this is freedom right yeah it says this is we're escaping the constraints of the past right we're not forcing ideology on anyone we're just telling you here's what these body parts uh, do here's some of the things people do with them anyone who has anything to say about any of that is a bigot now go have fun um, you know it's presented as as objective in this way right as as being liberated from ideology and religion and all these other shackles that are meant to hold people back and spoil their fun um and you know like uh, the famous uh, chesterton's chesterton's gate example right where you know there's a gate blocking the road and somebody comes along and says ah this gate's not serving any purpose i want to tear it down and the other guy says well can you tell me why the gate was put up in the first place? Right. He says, well, no, obviously it's, there was no purpose. It's just here. And you know, we don't need it. We can take it down. And he's the other guy says, well, if you don't know why it was built, I'm definitely not going to let you tear it down. Go find out why it was built. Tell me why that's not serving a purpose anymore. And then maybe I'll let you take it down. Um, but there's just no sense that any of these, uh, you know, any of these old ideas have any validity or any, um, you know, or in any way beneficial to people. It's all just, you know, oh, it's just all like white heteropatriarchy or whatever, ruining people's right. fun. There, um, the oppression narrative mm-hmm. kicks in, right? You're just trying to oppress yeah. us and keep us from having fun. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, and, Grayson, have you ever heard of a British anthropologist by the name of J.D. Unwin? I don't think I have, no. Okay, this is, you may find this interesting. Maybe maybe it's something you may even want to delve into for yourself. Back in Wait, the 19th- I think maybe I have, yeah, but go on. I think oh, I might have. Sex on. and Civilization, that's the, that's the work that he produced back in the 1930s. He studied, I think it was 85 or 86 different civilizations, and I mean everything from the ancient Sumerians to, uh, to modern civilizations to little South Sea Island, you know, civilizations. But his focus was not based on, you know, I'm coming at this from a Judeo-Christian morality viewpoint. He wanted to see what happened when societies made pleasure-seeking the highest order or the highest priority of what they did. And maybe it's not surprising to some people, but to him, uh, the data showed very clearly in every single case, without exception, when that became the highest goal of a society, when the pursuit of pleasure was all that mattered, they declined without exception. And and so there's there's kind of a lesson in there. He he wasn't trying to teach right or wrong. He was just saying, I'm just saying this is what I've seen. Their creative yeah. energies all went basically into, you know, the gutter because that's that's all that they cared about was was, you know, to have whatever they wanted right then, right now. It's like like hedonism. Yeah, and this is what you uh this is what you see in Brave New World, right? There's this uh there's this sport that they all play. They never explain how the game is played, but it's called centrifugal bumble puppy and it um <laughs> All you learn about it is that it involves a lot of very expensive equipment and people are actually conditioned to play this sport as opposed to just, you know, doing uh, track and field or playing soccer, something that's very simple and requires very minimal inexpensive equipment because, you know, you want people consuming more. You want uh, you want to kind of drive this uh, this pleasure seeking. And that's kind of the entire purpose of this economy. Right. But, you know, to your earlier point about me wanting to oppress people. Right. It's especially infuriating and, you know, hilarious if you look at it in a different way to hear that argument because it's the exact opposite. Like, I'm trying to offer you freedom, right? You know, if you look at the 
if you look at the Aristotelian view of this and, and also at the Christian view of this, right, the free man is the man who controls his appetites, right? This was never even a question in, in Plato or in Aristotle, right? That if you just indulge your appetites, you will not be free, right? You know, ethics and, and self-control are the path to freedom, right? And that's sort of the whole purpose of, of that's sort of the whole point of Brave New World, right? Is that by indulging those appetites endlessly, you give away your freedom. Um, well, essentially, you, you, be, you become around. an animal that's just going to scratch any itch it has at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's truly just uh, an incredible thing that that they treat it as though um, you know you, you're not going to benefit in any way from doing this, right? And this is why I say that this isn't objective, right? This has this is a very value laden thing. They are teaching a philosophy, and that philosophy is that you know as I said in my piece, you know, human sexuality isn't made for pair bonding. It's not made for procreation. It's not made for anything. It's the product of the same, you know, random physical processes that produced, you know, all life forms and everything in this earth. And, uh, you know, by experiencing sexual releases many times in as many ways and with as many partners as you want, uh, you know, you're performing some kind of act of cosmic rebellion against this, uh, this meaninglessness, this, uh, illusion of consciousness with which evolution has cursed you right wow and it's you know and it's like th- that's what they're teaching to kids right like that's those are all the presuppositions sort of laid bare and unmasked and it's like you know, no wonder people are upset well and you you give some examples here that uh, you know i i thought that these were right on because this, this is this is stuff that you see people dealing with daily sure go ahead sleep with a stranger get divorced and remarried again try out polyamory start an only fans account mutilate your genitals your genitals rather it doesn't matter what you choose only that you choose it and and yeah. I, I have to ask is there an agenda behind this i mean who who would benefit from pushing the, this kind of uh, libertine mindset well, I'm uh, I'm glad you asked that, Brian, and I'm worried that here's where I'm gonna here's where I'm maybe gonna get in trouble, but but I, I hope not. Once I explain myself, is in a way I think this is the free market at work, right? You know, I think this is how a lot of the economy is structured now, right? Um, you know, I even make these analogies, like you know, this view of sexual ethics or sexual education is like Amazon Prime, right? right. Anything you want, all the time, right away. Um, you know, it's like Tinder, right? swipe left if it doesn't, you know, look at it for a second, swipe left if you don't like it, right? It's like um, these smartphone games you read about that are designed to kind of like hack your dopamine system and get you get you hooked early on. And then, you know, the game's easy and the game's fun. And then suddenly it stops being easy. And it stops being fun unless you do these microtransactions and it goes on until people have spent $10,000, right? It starts off as this, you know, harmless frivolity and then it snares you with these, these sunk costs, right? And these diminishing returns. Um, so I think the, this, this view of sexual education is a pattern that you could see applying everywhere. Um, I just think that the fact that it's reached the point of sexualizing children shows how deep we are into the brave new world, right? Wow. I, you know, I, th- I think I'm keeping a pretty close eye on some of the different uh, signposts that are going by. And, and I don't, in, in my opinion, I don't see a civilization that is in its ascendancy. I don't see a society that is, uh, you know, ascending. I see decline. But this is one of the clearest indications that I've seen. And I, and I love that you can link it to a classic like Huxley's uh, Brave New World. Let me ask you this. We've got about a minute left here. Um, 
what do you see as potential solutions for people who want to keep their sanity and not buy into this, hey, anything goes attitude? Where can they turn for some some strengthening or refuge? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is I feel like this is the pattern all my interviews take, right, is I'm doom and gloom for eight minutes. And then it's like, is there any hope, Grace? <laughs> can you solve the um, world's and, problems while you're at it? You know, and this time I, this time I think there actually is. Um, and it's it's not easy, but I think it's there. And the reason I'll say it's not easy is because what people will tell you, um, you know, especially kind of the more diehard diehard kind of free marketers is like, oh, you know, it's your choice what you consume. Just cut back. And I think that underestimates what people are up against. Right. I think this underestimates the way in which some of the smartest people in the world are designing these apps and these products to literally get inside your head and rewire it um, so that it destroys your self-control and destroys that. Um, so what I think needs to happen, you know, personally cutting back isn't isn't going to work. Um, personal moderation is going to be a losing battle. You need to find a community in which you can hold each other to these standards. That can be your family. That can be a church. But, you know, John Adams said that uh, our system of liberty is only fit to govern a moral and religious people. And if we burn through that social and moral capital at the rate okay. we're going, we it's it. going to be over. Hey, Grayson, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me and my audience today. I will have a link to your article in the show notes and uh, keep keep the good work up. We need voices like yours to be speaking up, even if some people deem this unpopular. Thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be on your show as always. This is The Brian Hyde Show.